welcome back to another episode of Not All at Once. I'm Jordan Guess. And I'm Kendall Y. We're back on a Thursday, September two, 29th, 9 in the morning. Two weeks in a row. All right on Two time. weeks in a row. Wow. I love it. It just feels it feels right. So it just feels right. It's ha- it's National Coffee Day. We were talking about that prior to Yeah, it is National Coffee Day. So we cheers. We both have our our uh, black coffee ready to go be consumed. Yeah, I bought these uh new coffee mugs at Target the other week. Mm, and very nice. uh, they're very stylish and cool, but I got to say it's not very practical. It's like spills out a lot. So I'm like, well, you either get the looks or you get the function, you know, what do you want? <laughs> can't have both. You can't cannot have both. Have both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't have the look today. But it's not spilling out. It's deep. It's deep down in there in that travel I, I t- mug. I tend to prefer function myself, but you know, to each their own. Yeah, man, things continue. Um, things continue to unravel. I, okay, this is. We can talk about the Bank of England thing at, at some point. But did you see all of the stuff on Twitter about how we almost had a Lehman-like event? yesterday or two days ago did you see that well that was chatter about that that was the bank of england thing okay because of all the bond the bond buying by the central bank there yeah we can get into it though but you have something to tell me first what what do you have okay yes all right so I i thought this was very funny and actually this might be a new listener to the pod so they might be uh they might hear this when it comes out but so i get a call from my dad yesterday about it was probably like a little before 4 p.m and i pick it up and he's got me on like a three-way call with him and i think one of my my youngest siblings parents and they essentially have a slew of bitcoin questions okay it was great we talked on the phone for probably 30 to 45 minutes, somewhere in that range. Love it. Just go and go and line item by line item. What is Bitcoin? Where does its value come from? I was even explaining what's a node. So love it. You're preaching the the gospel of our Lord Satoshi. Exactly. It was, (laughs) it was very, it was very interesting because I had no, I had no uh, prep at all. Yeah. These questions these questions were coming out of you know all the different fields but and, you but and, you felt confident in your answers like you're like oh let yeah. me tell you about yeah oh definitely felt confident and Love um it. so yeah it was almost like accumulation of of uh you know coming up on two and a half years of just rabbit hole <laughs> meandering yeah and that's I was like when you... oh i can finally kind of like put these things together and explain because yeah, that's if you can explain it to someone else, you you know that means you kind of understand it, right? Totally. That's and that's when you definitely know you know something is like whenever someone asks you about it impromptu, and you're able to be like give very confident, convicted answers. That's when you know right. you're like, oh yeah, this is like ingrained in my brain. Yeah. So, anyways, that was fun. But uh, yeah, I pointed them to the podcast. And so they might be listening. I sent them. I always love sharing the one, the uh, interview episode with Palestinian Bitcoiners. So I said, uh, why don't you guys start here? And 
then you're going to have about 30 hours of uh of content to dive down if of, you'd like of, to of binge they can binge yeah so if they're listening let's just talk briefly about bitcoin i mean there's not anything crazy new we had a little bit of a um decoupling when the markets were crashing i guess early in the week right and bitcoin was pumping just a bit not not a ton but that, that gave me some hope yeah let's talk let's let's see current market update on on uh btc yeah um the market the the broader financial market is in a is an absolute chaos but um it i do okay a couple things first off actually just on a fundamental basis on all the craziness going on right now it's further further validation of what bitcoin is and we're going to talk about the bank of england and geopolitical things and all that all that nonsense um, but on a fundamental level, it's uh, it's sort of reinvigorating. I'm like, oh man, yeah, that, I like I forgot this feeling that this is why Bitcoin exists. Um, in terms of uh, the financial markets, um, it seems to be doing pretty well. We've actually had a um, a little bit of an uptick in uh, risk assets the past two days, uh, which is counterintuitive because of what happened to the. British pound and then what happened with the Bank of England, but we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, Bitcoin's actually probably outperformed everything else during that time period. So that's that's high signal in my opinion. Um, and uh, I think that I think that roughly we're in the value zone for Bitcoin. I think we could live in a world where we see it it uh, blip down to something like fourteen thousand. Mm-hmm. But um, and of course, this is not investment advice. But I do think that it's it's proven to be pretty resilient these past few weeks. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really surprised me, honestly, that it's held these levels. Um, Agreed. Same. I, I mean, I just figured if if the bottom feels like it's falling out from all these other huge market cap industries, bonds specifically, that you would just think, all right it's it's time for bitcoin to just nosedive and it hasn't so yeah and the, very... the market the market cap is small enough such that there could be there is almost certainly whales out there that have a almost infinite balance sheet and i mean literally there could be a central bank with an infinite balance sheet mm-hmm. um, that or that basically say like I'll buy all the Bitcoin you can give me at 18,000 and I'm just going to keep placing bids. Yeah. That, that's almost certainly going on. There's, there's rumors. This is all speculation. I think we've talked about this before, but there is rumors that the Saudis, the Saudi sovereign funds are, are bidding. Okay. Yeah. That would be, yeah. Like the game theory I think it's I it's so early in the game theory for sovereigns that it's just going to be fun to watch how it how it plays out and then where who or what what do we settle oil in that's like another thing that I'm watching over the next five to ten years kind of thing mm-hmm. so we will see um, okay as we're talking about the market we don't have to get into this today but I was chatting with a client yesterday who. Um, would probably be willing to come onto the show and to talk about the housing market because uh, he's a real estate investor. And so we might try to get him on at some point and just talk through what, what is going on 
And yeah, because I mean, I was literally talking to, I was at a networking thing uh, this week, talking to a mortgage guy who's about maybe a couple years older than me or something. And he was like, I legit might have to go back and do some bartending shifts because the volume of mortgage, um, new mortgages has fallen off a cliff. Really? So, wow. Yeah. He was saying that, um, people, you know, he's only been in for four years, but he was saying that, you know, some of his superiors were saying that it's worse than 07, 08 already. Oh man. Oh man. Oh, Isn't that man. crazy? That's I mean, crazy. we looked, I looked at the rate yesterday. The 30 year fix was at over seven. So seven percent. Seven percent. Doesn't that make you just want to not sell your house and stick around for <laughs> for a long time until that the wrecks? Actually, I want to say while we're on this topic, most of the world doesn't actually have fixed mortgage rates. <laughs> I don't know if mm -hmm. you know this. Yeah, yeah. So like in Australia and in like parts of Europe where and in Canada even where there's been massive housing bubbles you yeah. have you're having situations where individuals bought the bought the top at a low interest rate and now yeah. their interest rate is soaring so these people yeah. are literally going to go like bankrupt like they're not going to be able to they're not going to be able to pay their mortgage so well, wasn't this actually might be a good a really nice segue into England and Bank of England stuff but I think I saw Peter McCormick was tweeting out stuff about that mortgages were pretty much you weren't even able to get a normal mortgage right now in England or something. Did you see that? Mm, I'm not familiar. Okay. I can try to find a news article about it. But essentially it was, yeah, we can go ahead and move on to the Bank of England bond My, stuff. I was having a, I was having a conversation with the, Somebody, somebody close to me. I'm not going to say specifically who it is. And uh, we were talking about finance, and they they said, "How short can I get on Europe?" And I was like, "I was like, now you're now you're thinking the right way here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, gosh, <clears throat> I'm glad to be in America. So, uh, okay, so let's talk about the Bank of England. I am not an expert, but here's how what I understand as to what happened. Um, so on Monday, actually on Sunday night, Sunday night is when the FX markets open for the week mm -hmm. and the uh, great British pound fell off a cliff on Sunday evening. It mm -hmm. like, uh, plummeted like four it or five. Almost got to parity with the U S dollar. That's right. Almost got to parity. And that probably wrecked a lot of portfolios. And um, we do live in like a digital world, but we still live in this world where there's like deferred settlements. And so a lot of times these these movements take several days to work themselves out. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, on I think it was on Tuesday. I think it was on Tuesday. There was a, what is functionally a no bid event for uh i think like british sovereign bonds right so the equivalent of a treasury but for for Brit britain yeah um aren't they called like gilts or something gilts something fun. which yeah. is such a funny name i'm like what who came up with this name <laughs> it, it's also it's funny how so the, weird the german 
bonds are called bums. Are you familiar with this German bums? No, I did not know that. Uh, I love bums. Wow. Why okay. are ours called bonds? Um, I don't know. British guilt. It's like a promise. Is like a yeah, like a bond. I guess is kind yeah, of like a promise. Right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, but okay. I would be curious. To, and bund is obviously like a some sort of derivative, or or ours is a derivative or something. But guilt, I don't know what guilt is. Yeah, it's odd. Anyway, yeah. So there was a no bid event, and um, apparently, which note for those who don't know, a no bid is in the markets. There's an order book which people are buying and selling constantly, and a no bid event is when suddenly there are no buyers. And so what that means is price falls off a cliff because the sellers, they're still sellers. And so somebody's got to yeah. buy uh, or they have to sell at some price, I should say. Um, and so I think that the, there was like a, there was, there was whispers of a bunch of pension funds. Actually, it was more than whispers. People were pretty much outright confirming it. There were pension funds in, in, in England or in the UK that were basically functionally insolvent in that moment when there was a no bid event. Mm-hmm. And so there was so the, the Bank of England had to step in and and uh, prop up the market basically. So it's a it's like a flash crash bailout. You know, it's like a bailout that happened sort of like in the moment. Um it's like I heard some FinTwit people being like, well this isn't quantitative easing because quantitative easing is something different. Look, here's 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 the brass tacks. The bank, the central bank, had to step in and and manipulate the market. Okay, that's what happened. Yeah. So. Okay. Not good. I mean, is it something where this this pretty much evens everything out for some time being, or or could this essentially happen again? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I've heard yeah. I've heard people make both claims. I mean, it's not a good sign, that's for sure. People were Sven. There was some great Twitter Twitter memes where it was like the Sven uh, Sven Heinrich, which is a Northman trader. He mm-hmm. was like, he was like, at one point in my life, I was considering moving to a developing market, but I decided to move to to England instead. And then he was like, but jokes on me. <laughs> I did move to a developing market. Yeah. Okay. I found the tweet. So Peter McCormick, if people aren't familiar, he runs podcasts, what Bitcoin did and, but he lives over in England um, for some, some portion of the year, I guess, and does Austin, Texas and other parts, but he tweeted out in the UK, 300,000 fixed mortgage rate terms end and flip to variable with the uncertainty from the bank of England. Some mortgage providers are withdrawing their fixed rate deals. Um, citing high inflation, high energy prices, falling currency, too much other shit to list. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty crazy because it's from what he's saying. And I guess we'd have to dig in to actually see what are the sources he's getting this from. But what he's saying is a lot of people are about to experience variable uh, rate interest on their mortgage, whereas they have been used to for sometimes a fixed rate. I can't even imagine a variable rate like that uncertainty would would cause so much stress. Dude, I can't even imagine. It would be terrible. We're really fortunate in the in the U.S. I think actually, 
I've actually heard it. I think I've talked about this before, but I've heard it described as the 30 year fixed mortgage. The way you got to think about a mortgage is not necessarily that you're like building equity, but that you are locking in your rent price. Yes. Cause rents obviously go up over time, but if you, if you have a fixed mortgage, then your, your payment is fixed over the 30 year duration. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. I love that perspective. Because the thing okay. is, you still have to pay property taxes. You're always paying rent somehow, you know? So Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never really own your house. You never, you never really own. The only, thing you really, the only thing you really own is Bitcoin, okay? We all know this. Yes. <laughs> that is actually true. Yes. So they try to come in and say, all right, you have to pay taxes, property taxes yeah. on your Bitcoin. That'll be a, That'll be a shit show. That will be. That would be a shit show if it happens. Who knows if it happened? I don't have any Bitcoin, so. Yeah, lost it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's that. And then I guess we can just continue to move across the globe. And Kindle, what what happened with Nord Stream? Nord okay. Stream 1, <clears throat> right? Because 2 never even opened. Nord Stream 2 never even actually yes, went to market. The- so the story, there's the, there's the backstory is that um, Nord Stream 1 has been online operational for some time, maybe a decade, I don't know, for, for quite a while. Um, and Nord Stream 2 got all the way up to completion earlier, like a few months ago. And then basically, um, it there was, a, there was some technical issue all of a sudden, and they were like, there was like a, tur- I think it was a turbine, right? There's like a turbine that was like, they tried to say was like broken and can't be fixed or some, some crazy stuff. Yeah. And then, um, and then this week on Monday, the Nord Stream one, which is the operational pipeline, uh, basically blew up, right? Basically yeah. it's, um, in like three spots. It started spewing. Yeah, it started spewing. I don't know if I was actually gas. I think it might just be pressurized. But the point is, is that it was, it was open, right? Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, Nord Stream is a pipeline which runs uh, under the Baltic Sea, I think. Basically from like Kaliningrad to somewhere in Netherlands, maybe. Somewhere in that that region. So here's, here's the thing. <clears throat> here's how I heard it described, which I was like, this is the perfect... Uh, Perfect description. In two thousand, on September eleventh, two thousand one, a plane hit a twin tower, and everybody started losing their mind. And everybody's like, "What? What's going on?" There was a lot of confusion. Some people were saying this is an attack. Some people were saying this is a an accident. We didn't know, right? In that moment, for the first 15, 20 minutes, people didn't know. But then a second plane hit. And then people, everybody went, oh, this is a definite attack. The lightning doesn't strike twice. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, somebody blew up Nord Stream. It's a, it's, it's to- we don't know who, could be anybody, could be the Australians. What if it was the Australians? <laughs> could have been you. Could have been- well, isn't the major, the, the two takes, from the U.S., the U.S. says it was Russia, and then Russia, I've heard, says it's the U.S. That's right. Now, 
there is, yeah, like people are saying maybe it was the CIA, uh, maybe Ooh. it was Russia. There was one, this is total tinfoil stuff here, it's just to clear the air, just to make sure that people are aware. <laughs> we know what we're talking about. We know we're talking about. This did stuff. actually happen. The tinfoil stuff is like who something who, tinfoil who something tinfoil happened. Right, totally. <laughs> uh, so some people were saying the CIA did it. Some people were saying Russia did it. I saw a really spicy take which was that france did it um mm. and i was like that was interesting um wow. here's here's i guess um my bet if i were a betting man for if, if there were a betting market for this mm -hmm. so which understandably there understandably well yeah they're probably somewhere uh it's it was russia most likely in my opinion because I know that people are like, well, people in the West are like, well, Russia is, we're funding their war machine and we got to stop buying energy from them. And, um, and there was a clip of Biden where he was like, have you seen this clip where Biden was like, if uh, we're going to, we're going to shut, shut Nord Stream one down basically in the reporter, yeah, the reporter was like, well, how are you going to do that? And he was like, if we want to, if we want it down, it'll be down. <laughs> uh so i understand this perspective that maybe it was a cia but the this benefits russia it's actually a it's a it's a it's a it's a benefit to russia and the reason is the is the the way prices set on oil see when you have a necessary commodity like this for society to operate the seller of the commodity has the uh outsized leverage they're the one that's uh that has more control over the situation so you could so what happens in commodity markets is there's something called price price seeks volume and so what you so you could have volume drop by half but that wouldn't mean that but price would actually quadruple so yeah. So from Russia's perspective, this is the thing that um, Western mainstream media doesn't articulate for whatever reason is that um, from like if you're if you're in Vladimir Putin's shoes, then you're actually better off just leaving the oil in the ground. I know it's like kind of counterintuitive, but like from a from a financial market standpoint, if um, like you're basically the world is depleting your natural resources. You can think of it like that's one perspective, but even financially, like the way that you stop a or the way you win a commodity war is by flooding the market with resources. So, so it's a little counterintuitive, but you're but Moscow is actually going to benefit from from this event. Okay, but on the flip, on the flip side, the United States has been benefiting greatly from this whole thing with Russia, right? Because now my understanding is that the that European countries are having to come crawling to the United States asking to buy our energy. Mm -hmm. And I, okay, so 
let's just let's let's take the perspective that it was America. Yeah. Okay, the CIA. This. There's the CIA. Yeah. And so, in that world, you strengthen the American economy a ton because now, like Germany and the rest of Europe is going into the winter. Like it's already getting a little, a little nippy here in Louisville, Kentucky. And, and, um, and what if you just, what if, if you're in the U.S.'s uh, shoes and you're like, okay, well, what if Germany gets desperate enough? And so they actually make a deal with Russia so that Russia will then start sending them energy again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in that, Mm. in that world, you're like, well, we don't want that to happen. We don't want them to even have the option to give in just because they're cold. And so we're going to just go ahead and cut, cut it off at the knees. And then, and then say to Europe, we don't, uh, we, Russia probably did that. I don't know why, but they did. They probably did that. But we do still have all this energy that we're willing to sell to you guys. It's a compelling argument. It's a compelling argument. And by the and by the way, Nord Stream One, my understanding, based on the analysis I've read, probably it's never coming back online. It's probably yeah. not ever coming back online. Um, so it is a compelling argument. It would be that I would push back on two points. First off, it would be highly risky from an alliance standpoint. Okay, because we. <laughs> You're basically talking about throwing Western Europe under the bus and they are probably our closest allies. And then Japan's probably next. Um, Actually, Canada's probably our, probably our, maybe our closest, I guess. I don't don't know. How does that work? We need new friends. Yeah. Canada. Trudeau. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. What a joke. Yeah, but see, I I could definitely see it going that way, though, because I feel like, okay, just also think about it from this standpoint, the whole like the US, there's been this like race of in the last, I would say two decades of is America still the the global superpower. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, it seems to me like it's a pretty easy opportunity to like, make it known once more that yeah, yeah we are the world's superpower we can we might not come to your land to save you like we're not as interventionalist anymore with boots on the ground maybe but we will still provide you with what you need and and today that is in terms of energy we can look like the arbiters of like we are the western world of freedom and democracy and we have what you need and that I do think it is in our interest to make sure that as the world is pretty much separating off into like democracy camps and communist dictatorship camps, you want to make sure that Western Europe is not sucked into the latter just because they need a natural resource that they mm, have mm. cut their knees off, you know, in their own countries. You're speaking logic. You're speaking logic. Okay. So. I, I hear you. I mean, here's here's like kind of a. I'm hesitant to say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I kind I kind of have gotta a, say it. I kind of have a work thesis in the back of my head that I know there's a lot of narrative in the past decade or so of United States being a falling superpower. In other words, we're losing our grip as a superpower. I think that 
I think that 10 years from now, America may be the strongest superpower that's ever been. I think that um, the actually the opposite could happen because um, obviously after World War II, we we asserted our dominance in the in the global arena, but even throughout the 20th century, a lot of Europe. See, this is where it gets this is where it gets tricky. A lot of Europe was actually still sort of global superpower, even if they weren't. Um, even if they did it sort of proxied through us, right? Maybe we were on the front lines in a lot of areas, but Western Europe was calling the shots in a lot of ways, especially London. London, people don't realize how important London is. Um, it's actually the financial hub of the world. And by the way, I think that ended this week. I think this week was the death blow. It's now officially mm. it's now officially New York. Um, so so yeah, I think that. I think that on the other side of all this geopolitical chaos, we could live in a world where the United States is much, much more powerful than, than we've ever even been. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see that. These things are tricky, man. Who knows? What a crazy a world. Lot of, there, there are a lot of moving pieces. I just will be keeping my eye on like, <clears throat> what are, like, let's talk through the basics that people need to live right it's pretty much food mm -hmm. water energy right. and like where are those resources abundant and then where those resources in what of those places that it is abundant are like friendly trade partners and are not going to try to either have you turn a blind eye to the bad things that they're doing in their country like russia or china so that they'll trade with you you know, things like that. It's mm -hmm. it's almost like the United States is one of the last holdouts of there's still huge exporters of things that people need. And but also by and large, relative to other countries around the world, it's so, still like the most free and yeah democracy driven countries. I agree. I agree. We're holding strong so far. Um if we would adopt Bitcoin. So that's as, what I was about I was about to say actually the in this in this in this future that I'm sort of painting where the United States is a massive superpower that the world has never seen before, I think Bitcoin actually plays a pivotal role in that. And in my reasoning is is somewhat philosophical in that I think that Bitcoin, the values of Bitcoin are fundamentally perfectly aligned with the fun with the founding values of, of the United States. Um I think that Bitcoin actually acts as an export of freedom. I think we export freedom to the world through Bitcoin. Um, so I agree, man. Interesting okay. world. I definitely feel like the... So if you take a step back and just look at like the politics of today, right now, globally, there is this pushback to all of the climate stuff and I think there's people are coming back to the idea of like family first kind of stuff and some more, just some more traditional values and kind of doing away with, with a lot of this like new age politics. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we saw the, uh, I don't know if you followed the, um, the election in Italy, but that was kind of an interesting one. Right. Could potentially be a bellwether for, you know, 
Well, I guess, honestly, it's really just a continuation of the trend. Um, but obviously, it'll be very interesting to see where we're just about a month away from our election. So we'll see how that how that goes. But that yeah. will be another big piece, because I just don't feel like I I'm trying to figure out what government leader is going to step in and say, hey, we should give Bitcoin a serious look from mm -hmm. a national security perspective to make sure we're hedging our bets correctly. So. Well, I would, the uh, yeah, I mean, that Pierre, that uh, guy in Canada, Pierre, Pierre mm. something. Yeah. With a P, he, um, yeah. That's, that's a strong signal right there. I would say that that is already happening in the United States uh, government agencies, but it's just not, um, the public narrative is not developed, <laughs> which I think is what you're saying. There's not like a, a political movement yet for, for, for that. Well, I would um, say the people in power today just could never get behind Bitcoin because just because of the whole energy thing, their base would the democratic base right now, I would, would say, yeah, you're, you're kind of speaking specifically about the current administration, but I would say yeah. that the government is made up of more than just the current administration. Right. And specifically, I'm aware that there are existing people in the military uh, or Defense Department of Defense, United States Department of Defense, that understand Bitcoin very well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> so I think it's happening sort of behind closed doors currently. But I do, th I think to your point, at some point in the next decade, it becomes a public, a public narrative that's in the mainstream politics. But the energy yeah. piece, the energy piece is the, is the, that's the difficult part. That's the, yeah, we'll see. Do you listen to, do you still listen to um, Odell and um, Marty Bent every, every once in a while on no, the roundup? Not really, no. So, so Odell has this theory that he will not give up and um, he predicts that Bitcoin in like, I think it was in like 50 years or something. It's in some point in the future, he thinks that Bitcoin will consume over 50% of the world's energy. That is a wild theory. I don't think and that's like a, that's ever... everyone else has been like, no, even yeah. Adam, he, he posted to Adam back on his own pot on Odell's podcast. And Adam back was like, no, I, like less than 1% is, is where I, where I see it. Yeah. So I didn't know if you had any, uh, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Takes on that. I think that that's actually a reasonable idea. I think it's actually a kind of. It, I think Bitcoin should consume much more energy than people think it should, because energy is life. I really believe that, and energy security is the most important geopolitical strategy. Um. So I do think it's a good idea, but realistically, yeah, I don't. I don't see the human psyche accepting that like the average human psychology, they would just be like, that's just such a waste, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's a, it's just a difficult narrative game these days mm -hmm. because fear, fear is a hell of a drug. And, you know, it's just very easy to point to um, different events and say, see, that's climate change. Um, even though obviously climate is not one single event, 
So, and by, and um, with that, let's give a quick shout out. We are thinking about everyone down in South Florida and well, I guess I should just say everyone in Florida because it's mm-hmm. kind of ripping through all of Florida right now with Hurricane Ian. So if you're down there or have family down there, make sure you check in on people because I mean, the images are crazy. So, yeah, some of the videos of like the water levels, crazy. Yeah. But I will also say uh, hurricane season has been pretty chill this up until this point uh, this year. Oh, yeah. It's also, been, it's been one of the most lax seasons we've had in a while. Right. So, and and it was the same way that uh, last year. So, I know it's, I know it sucks for, for Floridians, but man, thank God this thing did not hit Houston because can you imagine where we would be with energy crisis if Houston went offline even for a week with their production with, of oil and gas? Mm-hmm. It would just, I, I actually was, I was talking with a friend who works down in Houston in the oil and gas industry while, while I was in Iceland. And he literally said, and he is like, not a religious dude. He just said to me, pray that we do not get a, a hurricane mm. that hits Houston. Cause he said it would, it would be just awful mm. for, for everyone like across the whole country. So. Right. I want to say one thing actually. So, cause I know there's like this growing narrative in the public sphere of like, wow, storms are getting worse. Weather patterns are getting worse and it's cause of climate change. To be clear, there's data. You can run analysis. You can back up these claims, but I want to raise one, one thing. Um, so in psychology, there's a concept called, I think it's pronounced Bader, my, Meinhof phenomenon, also known as the frequency illusion, where once you purchase a new car, you start seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that there's an intentional awakening to an object that now holds value to you. I think there's a similar phenomenon going on with these like climate change folks where they're they've been sort of they've had a intentional awakening of a value system that that they want to protect the planet and and uh, preserve preserve life on the planet it's all good stuff but through that they're starting to see they're starting to pay more attention to weather patterns and they're attributing that to to they're falsely attributing that to climate change when it's not always the case um so be aware of your biases people yeah i want to the, the and i'm the saying climate- that to myself too yeah, no, we're all we're all part of it. The, here's the thing about the climate change thing. This is my I'm not like some climate change denier. Climate change is a real thing. Humans have an incredible impact on the environment. Okay. Just like mm-hmm. drive through the city, you'll be like, my gosh, the concrete jungle. There's concrete everywhere. Um but the um I've talked about this before, but the like the 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 way out is through, right? You don't you don't like like uh run from the battle like you run through the battle um yeah so like in the event of like rising sea levels like clearly we know how to take a a family and move them from one house to another house (laughs) that's like within our what that's our it's within our realm of knowledge okay we've done this before i know it's are you saying that humans can adapt to their surroundings 
Right. So it's like we know how to we like we know how to solve some of these problems, right? But it's like um the thing that the thing that will almost guarantee death and destruction is to cut off your energy supplies. Okay. Right. You're you're like you're cutting off your what's the cutting off your nose to spite your face type of thing. Like you're guaranteeing mm-hmm. it rather than like yeah. This is so just to be so clear. I, so I thought this was just so funny. So this was from the Clinton Global Initiative. Um, And so Bill Clinton asked this person about where's the money going to come from to facilitate a global ESG transition? And then one of the United Nations ESG czars said, (laughs) quote, quote, just how just like how we found 17 trillion for COVID. The money must be there somewhere. Wow. That is insane. They clearly know what they're talking about. (laughs) They're like, there's just money, right? Grows on trees. (laughs) Also, I didn't know that global, uh, gosh, the global printing was 17 trillion. That's, that's my boggling. That's a lot. So, okay. Well, one more thing. Um, Jordan, do you think that Janet Yellen is going to be Secretary of the Treasury 12 months from now? Treasury, I would say Treasury no. Secretary. You would say, I would no. say no. Okay. If if they're smart, I would I would get rid of her. She's done an awful job. She has bon- she has been wrong and gotten everything wrong for at least the past year that yeah. she's like been in the spotlight. Dude, I was she's think- she's become like the Jim Cramer of Yes. Like the treasury, right? It's like whatever she says, the opposite is going to happen. It's, I feel almost kind of sad about it. I think that history will look back at Janet Yellen and not be kind to her. And, uh, and it's kind of sad because she's the first, I understand, I think she's the first female. She was the first female Fed president. I don't know about yeah, I think treasury, that's right. treasury secretary. There might have been somebody before her. But, um, yeah, I don't think that they're going to look kindly back at her. She's done a lot of, she's made a lot of poor decisions. Yeah. Okay. And then, well, I guess right in, in line with that is like, where, where do we think inflation is going to hit for September? Do you think we're coming, we're still coming down or do you think it's going to rip higher? Down, down. Inflation has peaked. Inflation has passed us. We might live in a world, I know, right? On broken record. We might live in a world in February or March of 2023 where inflation's at like 3%. Okay. I think that's within the realm of possibilities. You got to remember inflation's inflation numbers are year over year. So I know, I know. I um, just think, I don't think we're going back down. I think they're going to very sleight of hand raise their targets up from 2% and be like, 2%? No, we've always shot for 3%, actually. <laughs> Just like they did with the, just like they did with the, oh, two quarters of negative uh, GDP growth. No, that's not what a recession is. We've actually gone back. We talked to Webster Dictionary and we've changed it. They're like, that's never been the case, actually. So yeah, the the gaslighting, I think that's the most annoying part of the world we live in right now is the gaslighting. Just be real and say, we we screwed up. We're actually really stupid. And so are you as, you know, we're humans. So the, the, the inflation numbers will 
come down to what happens in the next two or three months, probably. If credit mar- credit markets are very close to blowing up, um, and we've already seen, obviously, the English credit markets blow up. Um, if the treasury market blows up, then yeah, inflation is here and it's here big time. It's here double digits big time. Um, <laughs> so if okay, so it could rip higher. Yeah, it could. Scenarios. It comes yeah. down to it comes okay. down to the two if they can keep the credit markets under control. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Lots of news that keeps coming. So, by the way, I'm looking at the map of Hurricane Ian, and it will probably will probably hit Louisville. Actually, you know, not like the hurricane, but like the rain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's taking right. a it's taking a really weird path. It's I don't I've never seen a hurricane take this path. Well, it's also going so slow, or at least it was over. Like once it actually hit land, my understanding was that it was kind of just hanging out over dude, Florida. Dude, the eye of the storm hit right where I have family. I mean, right over top. Really? Yeah. Gosh, have you have you had a chance to talk with them? Well, all? they're not they're not down there, so. Oh, okay. But I'll be, I haven't talked to them. I'd be curious to know if their place is underwater. I'm sure it is underwater. Yeah, my in-laws are supposed to get back to Naples today. They uh they've been down in uh the DR, so but they oh, have to keep push back their flights. Uh um, interesting. So they're gonna come in behind because it's already passed, so they're gonna see what happened. Exactly. I know. So and then that will drive when our when slash if we do our first uh live episode down in naples this that's right coming to you live from naples not really live but although we could stream it we could Uh, stream it that'd be fun i don't think we have a sufficient our audience to stream it we would stream it and no people would show up (laughs) i don't care i don't care at all this is our we're just uh we're doing this for fun and we're staying on top of the news no that's great there are there are some good good folks out there listening shout out and um yeah we'll just keep doing it so we're just marching today is 30 episodes that's a big one so there's over a day's worth of content out there now for you on not all at once so not all you're welcome everyone all right cool well i think that's a good place to end and yeah we're thinking about everybody this storm is going to hit everyone stay safe out there so all right Till next week. See y'all.